Uh, I am I, I always, when I get up to, to share, when I get up to teach or preach, um, have sweaty palms. I'm extremely nervous, and uh, I don't ever want to lose that. My dependence has to be on the Lord. And, um, and so, Lord, we thank you today. Uh, you are sufficient, and we thank you for that. Lord, you've given us your spirit. Your spirit lives on the inside of us. Uh, and Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. I'm not the teacher. Uh, by the spirit of the living God, uh, bring truth to people, Father. Uh, it is your plan, Lord. And not just so knowledge will be in them, but so that, Lord, they can live more effectively uh, to serve you and to do that which you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me get my settings here on my tablet so it doesn't go dark every two minutes the way I've got it set. That would not be beneficial. Um, as, as Paul has already said, we are looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. And um, I was just thinking about this just in the last few minutes that, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, in one particular place in the book of Samuel, it says that the Spirit of God came upon Saul, King Saul, and he was turned into another man. And then I, I was thinking about the disciples as they walked with Jesus, especially the 12. Uh, some of them were bumbling, stumbling. Uh, they, Peter had a problem with sticking his foot in his mouth on a regular basis. And yet when the Spirit of the Lord came upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up. And he preached the most amazing message that cut to the hearts of people. And was it 5,000? 5,000 people came to know Jesus Christ. And that was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to give you a vision. If you have received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not looking for something out there to happen. We are the temple of the living God. When you go to bed at night, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. When you wake up in the morning, He doesn't have to come to you. He is inside you. When we came together here today, the Holy Spirit came with us because He lives within us. We are the temple of the living God. God's prophesied in the Old Testament he said, I will live in you, I will walk in you, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And so, too many times the church is looking for answers out here, whereas God on the inside of us, Jesus himself, when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at the Jordan River, when he was 30 years old, and he began to do the miraculous, and he began to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, he would talk to the Father but I was just thinking about this. When Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus was looking up to God and he said, God, I thank you that you hear me. And I know that you always hear me. And it just, it's astonishing. He walks over to the tomb of Lazarus where Lazarus is dead. And he does not say, oh God, raise Lazarus from the dead. But he speaks and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Why did he do that? Because 
God's agent on the earth is the Holy Spirit. And he was living in Jesus Christ. And in reality, Jesus never prayed for the sick. He spoke to the conditions. He never said, be, he, he said be healed, but he never said God healed them. He knew that God had put the Holy Spirit in him so that he could operate in the earth as God's agent. And that same Holy Spirit has been given to us. When we're born again, we receive the Spirit. And then when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're God's agents on the earth. And so we can in faith because God has told us to do it. He said, the, Jesus said, the works I do, you can do also and even greater than these because I go to the Father. And what happened when he went to the Father? When he went up, he sent the Holy Spirit down. And the Holy Spirit came upon the church. And so we have the Spirit. And so I want to teach us about the Holy Spirit, or let the Holy Spirit teach us. The first slide, the Holy Spirit is God. He's exactly like Jesus. And he fulfills Jesus' earthly ministry through the church. The church is the body of Christ. Uh, in other words, Jesus left and he says, I'm going to send you somebody just like me. And he came upon us. And so why, were there, why was the early church called Christians? Because they were living and behaving like Jesus, like Christ. Second, thirdly, he lives in his temple, the church, the body of Christ. He lives in us. And we're going to see something that Jesus said very significant about that. He is with us. He's in us. So we never, never, we never, we never need, we need never ask him to come or to be with us. He's with us. He's always in us. He lives in us. We're the temple of the living God. Like in the Old Testament, the presence of God manifested between the two cherubim in the Holy of Holies. That's where the, that's where the presence of God dwelt. Well, the presence of God lives on the inside of us. We don't always feel it a lot of times because we're kind of dullards. And because we don't, we, we don't activate the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so we activate, and there's, I, I, I didn't have time, but sometime during the course of the month, I hope to be able to share how we can stay full of the Spirit. There's some things we can do for that. Um, and then quickly... Because this is a lot of, I don't understand the Trinity. I don't know that anybody fully understands the Trinity. But the Trinity is God the Father, God the Word, or God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus became the Son, He was the Word. It was God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And just sort of a quick practical of the Trinity. God the Father is seated on the throne in heaven. And at his right hand is Jesus. As a matter of fact, Stephen, when he was being stoned, what happened? He, he, the heavens were open and he saw Jesus not sitting but standing. I believe he was standing up to receive, to receive Stephen. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. In other words, the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. He's just like Jesus. So he lives on the inside of us. He's all, and he always had, the Holy Spirit has always been 
the Father's earthly agent. And, you know, we've talked about this before. What, Jesus, what he did, he taught. The scripture says in the first chapter of Acts that um, the things that Jesus began to do and teach, well, he hung around for about 40 days and he taught them concerning the kingdom of God. By the Spirit, it says. That by the Spirit, he taught things concerning the kingdom of God. So he taught, he did miracles, and all the healings, everything that he did, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he didn't do any of that until the Holy Spirit came upon him at the age of 30. 30. And, and just a, a couple of scripture references. First Matthew chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. Jesus said this himself. If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, they were calling him the prince of devils, or he was doing it by the prince of devils. He said, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. It was either in Mark or Luke. He said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God. That's an anthropomorphism. In other words, God identifies with man. And the Holy Spirit is God's hands and his fingers in the earth, his mouthpiece in the earth. So what Jesus did, he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 10.38, which I'm sure we're all fam we're familiar with, says that God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Why does he say Jesus of Nazareth? It doesn't say how God the Father anointed Christ of heaven. It says God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Why? That's his humanity. It's not God anointing God. It's God anointing man. Jesus was a man. He never stopped being God, but as Philippians chapter 2 says, he, he laid aside all of his divine privileges. And so we don't see Jesus walking the earth as God, although he was God. He laid aside those divine privileges, and what he did, he did as a man. That's why he says in John chapter 14, what I do, you can do also, because I'm going to the Father. And when he went up, he sent the Holy Spirit down, by the Holy Spirit that he operated by, we can operate by. How God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth and he, uh, with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Why? Not because he was God, even though he was God. <laughs> but he had laid aside those divine privileges. It's because God was with him. God who? God the Holy Spirit was with him. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's not an it. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Um, I just said that, so I don't need to. Now, let's talk about Jesus in the life of the... You, you don't have these slides yet, uh, Andrew. The Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. Jesus never... or uh, Jesus made very clear that it was imperative for the church... To be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish the purposes of God. In order to accomplish the Great Commission, the church had to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 24, if we'll look at this, verses 46 through 49. This is Jesus speaking. This is Luke's uh, rendition of the of the Great Commission. This is what is written. The Messiah must suffer, must rise from death three days later, 
And in his name, the message about repentance and the forgiveness of sins must be preached to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things, and I myself will send upon you what my Father has promised, but you must wait in the city until the power from above comes down upon you. He said, now this is what you're going to do. You're going to preach amongst all nations. But don't go until the power from on high comes down upon you, or as other translations, till you're clothed with power from on high. This is Luke's version of the Great Commission. Jesus is saying, don't go until the Helper comes. In order to accomplish God's work on earth, we need the empowering of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and we need to stay full of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5, Paul's directive to the church was, be filled, but the Greek literally says, be being filled, or stay full of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, representing God as his ambassadors cannot be accomplished with natural means. Uh, I mean, I'm not God's ambassador in the flesh. Uh, I mean, I, I, I live in a physical body, but it's because of the supernatural work that God has done through the new birth and then the empowering of the Holy Spirit that I can be his representative. All the work of God requires the supernatural means that only the Holy Spirit provides. I shared with you, I think the last time, that we need to become God inside minded. We always acknowledge God the Father on the throne in heaven and Jesus. But we, we have to understand the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of us. I can't say that enough. I remember in Bible school, Kenneth Hagin, if he said it once, he said it a thousand times. You've got to become God inside minded. In other words, you're looking uh, to hear God. You hear God here, you hear God in your belly. In your innermost being. Not in your stomach, but in your innermost being. And then John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. Um, these are some other key things Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. I love this verse, these two or three verses so much. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you for. Ever. That's amazing. But it says another helper. That's key. We'll see it in a minute. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. What does that mean? It means that a person who is lost, he can only receive the Holy Spirit in the sense of being born again. But he cannot receive the fullness of the Spirit whom the world cannot receive because the world neither sees him nor knows him. Now that says to me that as a believer, I'm not of the world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. The world does not see him or know him. The norm for us, and I, 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 I'm testifying absolutely, it's the truth. I don't know him as much as I need to. And I don't see him as much as I need to. 
but the norm should be that we know Him and we see Him on a regular basis. Not the unusual, the norm. When you see Jesus, that's the norm. Jesus walked around, He saw, He, he spoke. He told the disciples at one point, go into the next town, there's a man there that has a donkey. I need that donkey. And by the way, if he stopped you and says, what are you doing? Just tell him, the Lord has need of that. How did he do that? He did it by the gift of the word of knowledge. Let's say it was Peter and John. I can just see them. They wanted to obey, but these are people that are not filled with the Spirit. They're weak, and they're walking along. And Peter says to John, I just feel led you ought to be the one that talks to the man about the donkey. And, and John says, no, I think you do. And so they get up there, and so finally one of them's bold enough, and he gets it and said, well, there's a donkey here. I'm going to take it. All of a sudden, the man stops and the Lord has need of it. And the man let him go, and they say, wow. Man, I tell you, this Jesus is something. And the most amazing thing is Jesus gives us the same person, personhood of God, the Holy Spirit, whereby we can operate the way that Jesus did. You say, oh, but I'm so weak and frail. I'm so weak and frail. We're all so weak and frail. And we have a tendency to say, yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah, it was, but it was by the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus, absolutely. But he wants us to function the way he did. You know him, for he dwells with you. He's talking here to these disciples before the Holy Spirit was given. They're not even born again. He's talking to them. He says, you know him because he was alongside. He was with. He said, because he dwells with you. In other words, they were walking with Jesus for three years. And they knew that the power of the Holy Spirit was around them. He's with you. And he says, but he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And in this passage, the whole passage of John 14 is not about Jesus building mansions for us. And coming back in 2,000 years, it's about Jesus about to go to the cross. And in doing that, he prepared a place for all of us in the presence of Almighty God. And he says that I'm going to come back and receive you to myself. And he came back three days later, and then he empowered them with the Holy Spirit. He says, so I'm going to come to you. Now, the Greek word for helper is parakletos, and it means comforter. This is what the Holy Spirit is to us, comforter. Now, let me show you something. I'm going to use Peter here. Here's our, here's our only idea of comforter. Bless your darling heart, Peter. And there's an aspect of that. But this word comforter in the Greek literally has an idea that you not only comfort somebody, but you empower them. You bring them to wholeness to where they can come up by the power of the Holy Spirit. Comforter advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. As it were, he's our attorney. Well, Jesus is too, but the Holy Spirit and Jesus operate the same. He's our intercessor. He's our God, our counselor, our strengthener. That's what the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, you don't have this one. I mean, we just read it. But in that verse above, Jesus said, I'll send you another paracletos, another comforter, another helper, And that's referring to the Holy Spirit. And by Jesus saying another one, he himself 
what he means is that I am a helper. I'm a God. I'm an intercessor for you. And I'm going to send one somebody just like me. I'm going to send you somebody just like me to be with you forever. Because the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. And when Jesus walked the earth, he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to send you a helper just like me. Now, the Holy Spirit's practical mission on earth is glorifying, revealing, and showing Jesus to the world. He, he glorifies Jesus. He reveals Jesus. And he shows Jesus to the world. That's his ministry. And all of these ministries are through us. The Holy Spirit draws people to Jesus. Now, I personally believe that can happen through intercessory prayer. We're praying for a couple of people that we love dearly to be drawn by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, draw. Get laborers across their path. Draw. Draw them, Lord. Draw them, Lord. And then through us, through our testimony, through our lives, people are drawn. People are attracted because of the Spirit of God. And then continuing through the church what he's done through Jesus. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Practical mission on earth. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, we're not going to read all of those. This is kind of like the preamble to the Holy Spirit being poured out in Acts chapter 2. But I want to look at two verses. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, this is after the resurrection, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you've heard from me. This is the general statement. He, Luke wrote Acts, and he wrote, and he wrote Luke. Uh, in Luke, he was a little more specific. He said, don't leave this city until you're clothed with power. He says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, because here in Acts chapter 1, it says you'll be baptized. But in Acts chapter 2, when that event took place, it says they were all filled. Okay. Now, it's interesting, it said John baptized with water. John the Baptist, before he left the earth, before he lost his head, uh, they were asking him, are you the one that we're looking for? He says, I baptize with water, but there's somebody coming after me. I'm not even worthy to stoop down and tie his shoes. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire just simply means there's a cleansing that God does in us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And the, let's look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And many people say, well, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was born again, so I don't need another baptism. But I, I want us to look at uh, some scriptures. But look at this here. This is I can't even prove what I'm about to say scripturally, but this paints the picture that I need. When we're born again, we get the Holy Spirit. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gets us. And when we stay filled with the Spirit, He has or keeps us. In other words, it's, it's not like... Uh, in other words, the Holy Spirit, I don't get a part of Him. 
the Holy Spirit is a, is a being, and He's in us. And then in Luke 11, Jesus said something very significant. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If, uh, Kurt, if, uh, if David asks you for an egg, are you going to give him a scorpion? No, no. If, if David gets up and says, Dad, can you cook me some eggs? He's not going to go kill a scorpion and give it to him. No, it says, if you then are evil relative to God, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Receiving the Holy Spirit is a matter of asking, just like everything else we receive from God. We have not because we ask not. It's not a matter of getting more holy. The Holy Spirit coming upon you and yielding to Him will move us into a more holy life. And then John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23. This is, a, this is an indicator that the, the new birth and, the Holy, and, and baptism of the Holy Spirit are separate. In John 20, 21 through 23, Jesus said to them again, now this is after the resurrection, um, and he's manifested himself to the disciples. It's before he gave them the great commission. And he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. That's where Benny Hinn gets it. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. That's, in essence, the Great Commission. Go declare my forgiveness, and if you don't do it, then people won't know it. It's not given us supernatural powers to stand in the place of people and say, well, God, they're forgiven because I forgive them. It's a matter of taking the message. But he breathed on these. And I believe, personally, I believe this is when the church was birthed. This was when the church was born again. There were a few there. I don't know how many. But he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, another indicator that there's two, in, there's two experiences. For by one Spirit... Were we all baptized in the one body? That's the new birth. Because the Holy Spirit does not. In other words, it's, it's Jesus who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. But this is talking about the action of the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, the Holy Spirit takes us and immerses us into people. He connects us to the body of Christ. We're joined to the body of Christ. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's talking about the new birth whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we've been all made to drink into one spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to drink and partake of Him. So there's two different experiences. The new birth, we receive the Holy Spirit, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we are filled. Let's look at instances of people being filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. 
And to my shame, I left one of them out and thought of it this morning, one of the most significant ones. So it's not in your notes, but I stuck it in mine. First of all, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. It wasn't fire, but it was like fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then in Acts 4.31, this is a refilling. Uh, I shared with you back some time ago that uh, a few years ago, several years ago in South Africa, God asked me two very important questions. He said, do you need more of me or do I need more of you? And he followed up that question with this. If, if, if you're not living in the measure of what I've already given you, then why should I give you more? Then he took me to the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was poured out. He moved them out. They reached out and gave out. And then two chapters later, he poured out more. And then he said this. He said, if you need more of me, then give away what I've already given you. Expend it, and then you will be refilled. In other words, an, an aspect of staying full of the Holy Spirit is be active with what God has given you. So in Acts 4.31, a refilling, same people, extra ones, I'm sure, along the way. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, they didn't pray for the place to be shaken. What was their prayer? Lord, grant us with all boldness that we may speak your word and that reaching out with the hand of Jesus, signs and wonders would be done in the name of your Son. So they were active with what God had given them to do, and there was a refilling. And then in Acts chapter 8, this is the one I left out, verses 14 through 18. And now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. So Simon saw something. He saw something that happened. It doesn't specify, but I've, I'll, I'll say about that in just a minute. And then in Acts chapter 9, this is Saul of Tarsus who got arrested on the road to Damascus. And he calls on this man named Ananias, obviously different from Ananias in chapter 5 because he's gone on. But in, here, Ananias, God spoke to him and said, I want you to go pray for this man Saul of Tarsus. So anyway, Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Paul had been converted on the road to Damascus, but now he needs to be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18, Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and then he arose and was baptized. 
Then Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 38, 48. Peter had been sent by the Lord to the household of Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. Up until now, only Jews were believers. Well, and so God says, okay, I want you to take the message of the gospel to the Jews, I mean to the Gentiles. So Peter, is, he's, he's there at Cornelius' house. He says, while he was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. You know, so many times we, we, get, we think we got it all figured out. You got to be born again, then you get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you get baptized or whatever. But what happened here is the word pierced their heart. I believe there was a simultaneous getting born again and the Holy Spirit filling them. Because it says, and uh, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that they should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. And then in Acts 19, 1 through 6, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard as there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, then what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. Then Paul, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who had who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So we have six instances. Uh, there's five for you, but I've got six. <laughs> they spoke with tongues in Acts 2. Acts 4 was a refilling Acts 8, which you don't have, Samaritans received the Holy Spirit, and Simon the sorcerer saw something happen. I believe he saw them speaking with tongues. Number 9, I mean, Acts chapter 9, uh, Paul was filled with the Spirit, and even though it doesn't say he, was, he spoke with tongues, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, Paul said uh, that he spoke with tongues more than all, and then in Acts chapter 10, at Cornelius' house, they spoke with tongues. Acts chapter 19, they spoke with tongues. I want to tell you, the baptism, excuse me, put it this way. Speaking with tongues is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God gives us the most amazing, beneficial prayer language. And let me just quickly show what the Holy, what praying in the Spirit does for us. I think I've got that in my notes. But I've almost, yeah, here we are. Here's private use of tongues. This is the private use. There's tongues for public display that are, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but somebody has a message in tongues and then someone interprets it. Not translates it, but interprets it. That, that's something that happens, but not everybody necessarily does that. But praying in tongues is for every believer. You're not second rate if you don't do that. But it's a benefit that God wants all of us to have. Number one, praying in tongues is speaking mysteries to God in the Spirit. That's what 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says. Praying in tongues edifies us. 
1 Corinthians 14, 4. Edifies means builds up. How many, how many need building up? I need building up. And then praying in tongues is giving thanks well. 1 Corinthians 14, 17. There's an element of thanksgiving when we're speaking in tongues. And this is for private use. Praying in tongues brings rest and refreshing. Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. Praying in the Spirit builds us up on our faith. Jude 20 and 21. And then praying in the Spirit is praying the perfect will of God. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Now I just quickly want you to see these verses. It won't take but a second. Or a few seconds. Several. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Verse 4a and 17. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. If I stand here and start speaking in tongues without an interpretation, it doesn't benefit you. No one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he's speaking mysteries. So if I'm praying in tongues, I'm speaking mysteries. And he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, verse 17, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. And then uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 in the Amplified Bible. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. And give you a bit of an understanding of that. The Holy Spirit within gives you the utterance and you speak it out of your spirit. He gives the utterance, but you do the talking. Like in Acts chapter 2, 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say, and then the Holy Spirit began to speak. It says they were all filled and they began to speak as the Spirit provided the utterance. And then 1 Corinthians 14, 21. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. Now that's, Paul left out part of the verse for whatever reason. You go back to Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they do not hear. I, I can tell you... Many, many times that I have really, really been weary and, and this verse comes to mind. I can't stop doing what I'm doing, sometimes in Africa, sometimes other places. And so I just, by faith, I say, Lord, you said that you will provide me rest and refreshing when I'm weary if I pray in the Spirit. And I begin to pray in the Spirit and the edification comes and it provides the rest and the refreshing from being weary. And then in Jude 20, 21, you beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Jude gives us the main reason we're to build up ourselves by praying in the Holy Spirit. And that is to keep ourselves in the love of God. What it means is, is to stay in the ministry of love, sacrificially loving people. That's why we're on earth, to lay down our lives for people. We need edification if we're going to stay at that. And then Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. P.C. Nelson uh, a scholar of the Greek says, with groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus said, 
We must be born again in order to understand the things of the kingdom. But beyond that, there is not just an experience, but it's an entrance into an amazing life of being connected with the Holy Spirit. And like I said, it happens through asking. I remember many years ago, I was at Bible school, maybe four days into being at Bible school. I was, a, I was newly spirit-filled. I didn't know much. And we were having praise and worship. And somebody in praise and worship gave a message or an utterance in another tongue. And I didn't even voice it. I just thought, Lord... I would love to give the interpretation if you would allow it. And the instant that I had that thought, all I can say is I felt heavy. The presence of God was on me. And in my heart, I had a picture. I had a picture of an embryo in a womb. And... I, I knew I had to give it out. And what I started speaking, it came out. Faith is like, when you start out, faith is like a little embryo in a womb. But as you exercise it and exercise it, it grows and grows and grows. Something very simple, but it came by asking. It came by asking. If, if you, first of all, if you've never, ever been born again, to be born again simply means that by the Holy Spirit you've been brought. You've been brought to the end of yourself. You've been brought to a place where you understand that you're in need of God. And that you're willing to repent and say, God, I need you. And you're willing to surrender to Jesus as Lord. If you've never done that, if you've never really been born again, I mean, that's the beginning of our walk with God. That's the entrance into our spiritual life. Just like birth is entrance into, into life, being born again is entrance into spiritual life. So could you just close your eyes a minute? If you're here and you know you've never been born again and today you want to receive Jesus, just raise your hand right where you are. Anyone at all? All right, anybody else? Anybody else? All right, you can put your hand down. Now let me ask you this. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, one of the benefits is speaking with tongues, but there's so much else. It, it brings us into a dimension that is amazing. And today you want to receive, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you just stand up? Would you just stand up if you never have? Or let me say this. If, you, if you've been prayed and you've never really received your prayer language or you struggled with that and you'd like for us to pray with you, then we can do that. Is there anything you want to say?